0: Okay.
1: All right. you want to talk welcome to the, the Rugby Rant we'll Podcast Show, about your, your premium North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time.
0: And welcome, everybody. It's the Rugby Rant. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. We got Rob the Hammer Hammersmith, and we have the team from Young Glory. I'm very excited. Uh, for those of you that might not know, uh, Young Glory is one of the premier um, youth rugby organizations down in the DMV there. Um, and they're creeping up. I mean, they're coming into Pennsylvania. They're coming in. Watch out. They'll be in southern Jersey in no time. They're going to cross the uh, Ben Franklin Bridge out of Philly and all of a sudden be near me. Watch out. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, Young Glory is, is is a great organization. We've had Armenta on before. We've had Tim on before. And now we're going to have Ben Sema, who's also um, coaching in the organization, and, and it's one of those things where we love to talk about what's happening with youth rugby, right? And between being friends with Arminta and Tim, we've we've get some insight into Young Glory, what they're doing, how they're doing it, what they're what they want to achieve success in for this type of program. They're also a pathway to uh, Old Glory DC, um, the official pathway, one of the official pathways. I know a lot of ML teams have many. Uh, official pathways. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. So as you guys know, mint has been on the show before, but minta give us your title for, for Young Glory.
2: So I am the community relations manager as well as the social media manager for Young Glory. Um, that encompasses, of course, as you know, a lot, um, especially in kind of a startup, you know, academy situation.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I got I to be honest, one of the things I always let Armin to know is how much her I see the reach of their social media. It's one of the, one of the good things. We got Tim back on the show, Tim Brown, everybody. So, Tim, again, just go over your role over at uh, Young Glory.
3: My title is Player Pathway and Youth Development. And um, I manage our budget. I manage sponsor relations. Um, I do a lot of the draft stuff and I'm kind of the liaison. Um, everything that rolls up to Old Glory, including our, we, we had a pretty good spirited conversation tonight about our second side, which Ben and I will be working with and um, our mentor will support on social media. So we probably next year, will have five different academy sides leading up to both men's and women's. Um, actually, if you break them out, we'll have closer to 10, 'Cause they, they come together into one. And then we'll also have essentially a, a men's club uh that contributes to uh the first side. So um I advocate for Ben and Arminta and it's a it's a full-time job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but you know what? Like I like we said, it's something that's starting uh to get its momentum forward and to spearhead something that um you know youth and, and academy rugby hasn't been in territory. There hasn't been. And, uh, last but not least, Ben Seema, welcome to the rugby rant, man. Um, appreciate you taking the time and coming on. So tell us about your role
4: with uh, young glory. Yeah. So um, I guess my, my official title is rugby development officer. Um, really what that encompasses is, is, is doing a lot of coaching with the, with the kids in the area. Um, I think Tim kind of brought me on and, and Paul, she kind of co-signed it as really because I, I was one of the, Kids that kind of grew up here and played at all levels here. Growing up, and I, I, I played when I was 11 with a he T-shirt on, playing touch with a few of my friends, and then eventually ended up playing for, you know, Gonzaga and then University of Maryland and Rocky Gorge, and um, in between was kind of representing the U.S. side. So I've been kind of brought back, and if you can't, you can't kind of pick up on it, my voice is already gone. We ran two U23 sessions this past weekend where I was barking at these guys like crazy. So, um, the voice is struggling on a Monday, but, um, you know, it's, it's really exciting to kind of be back here and, and, and be giving back to, um, you know, this community, it was, it just has really done a lot. So I I guess really what I want to do is, is like Tim said, is, is really just, create a a clear pathway for, for kids. Now that the MLR is here, it's, it's so different um, to when I was growing up. So it's really just about defining those lines and and creating a nice clear pathway for these kids to, to be able to see and kind of follow.
1: Hey, Scott, did you notice the wry smile that crept across Tim's face as uh, Ben mentioned his, his scratchy voice. It, it, it's a smile that says, and, and Tim knows this, he is earning his keep. And doing what we, I need him to do, right? We, both these,
3: both of these two are being really modest. Um, Arminta does world-class media, and she is so detail-oriented. Um, she, she's got the social media piece down, and that's something that's missing from rugby is telling the story and also creating that pathway to be a referee or to be a coach or to be a super fan, right? Like part of a super fan would be finding out who's up and coming. Um, I called Paul Sheehy today and said, um, "You know, you, you give that girl a car." Three? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I have a, <laughs> I have, a, I have two Sheehy vehicles. I have three Sheehy vehicles in my driveway. Um, little plug there. Um, but I I told him, and I haven't told Ben this. I said this guy can coach. Like we were busy this weekend. Like youth, um, college. You know, probably five hours on the field on Saturday. And then we, we headed out of DC at 6.00 AM on Sunday. We're up in South Jersey doing a two, two and a half hour session. And um, the reason he doesn't have a voice is he's high energy and he's got a lot to share. So um, he can coach. We've got five other coaches under the age of 30 that I just keep throwing out there that, um, you know, I'm I'm like the old man, and I let these guys run, and it's been awesome. Like, we've got um, we've got a we've got a couple coaches in Maryland, um, men and women. We have um the the Howard head coach Tito that works with us. We've got um the director of operations at UMW, Jared um, Dunbar, and uh, Ben is kind of leading those guys now. So we, I would say Ben, being as young as he is, he's like at the front edge of a new wave of coaches. It, hopefully will be with us 20 or 30 years
0: it, it's funny because um you know i was commenting on social media on something and i was talking about um the mlr actually and and their lack of social media effort to show some of the players that coach i mean i know quite a few from new york who coach you know the lower level d3s and d4 teams that are local around here i know players out in seattle who coach uh the same thing the coach men's and women's and i just find it funny when there's a through line of fans saying we don't have enough domestic coaches and you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, we do, you just, you don't see them. And I think that's one of the things that um, the MLR doesn't hit that our Minta and her team hits um, with their social media pieces where they're showing, you know, the coaches, they're showing the players, they're showing the admins, they're having fun with the trends, but they're showing the work that's being put in to get you where you guys need to go. So specifically, I'm going to actually throw it back to Tim real quick. So the really, the first question is we're coming on the end of the year here. Um, You know, we're, we're doing this interview right before Thanksgiving. So we're coming on the end of, I assume your fiscal year is, is, is 1231. Um, What, what were your metrics? What did you want to achieve this year and how close were you to achieving those goals?
3: We, yeah, we, um, so MLR does put out some hard metrics and we blew those away. Um, Number of interactions with Academy players, community involvement. Um, we ran the shield series that, you know, our Minta and I are really proud that we fought that up. We executed it. It was, it, it was not only really awesome to see kids play in 15s and raising a shield and to see that replicated, you know, four weekends in a row in front of MLR games, it actually puts butts in seats. Like there was a couple of games where we had 500 fans in the seats, buying gear, you know, food and drink. I, I, I'll tell you a metric that I, that I love that I repeat. We are watching Virginia tech play JMU. And this lady is just screaming like hokey, hokey this. And you know, I'm like, Oh my God. I said, who's your, I looked up into the stands and I said, who's your son? She's like, I don't have a boy out there. I'm a hokey. She knew <laughs> nothing about rugby. It turns out she came to the game because it was it was Virginia Tech versus JMU and she did not want JMU to win. Like that is <laughs> that's just
1: like that's that other that, world that's, fandom right there.
3: Yeah, that's a metric. Um we had to come in under budget. We're a nonprofit. We rely on you know Young Glory is a nonprofit. We rely on sponsors believing in our mission and individuals that love rugby or maybe appreciate team sport and I I I think the other big metric we had was to get built out and organized and, you know, know what our market is and know how we can help grow the game. And And we're there now we're, we're, we're getting it done. Sometimes six days a week, six and a half days a week. I mean, like Ben doesn't, Ben doesn't know yet. He's, he's in his first month, but we're, we're getting there.
1: So, and, and I'd like to bring Ben into the conversation a little bit on that note, because it's a perfect segue And this may be a bit unfair, Ben, um, but I'm just looking for honesty and looking for, you know, your gauge of things right now. You've obviously come into this tremendous organization that's doing great work developing youth rugby um, from the lower levels on up through the U23s. Can, you know, all of us who are watching rugby right now and saw the failure of the U S to qualify. We're all looking at 2031 and we're all, we're all going, this is this year. It it, it is critical. This buildup, this eight, eight more, eight, nine more years is critical. Do you have the sense that we can with the proper organization and the proper coaching develop that next generation that could be playing in that world cup on home soil?
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I was texting a bunch of my 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 ex teammates and and friends about it at all. It was just like I didn't really care. Like ultimately, we're just I'm I'm here at Old Glory or Young Glory, we're just building to 2031 and I, and I'm fairly confident that a few of the guys that we have in our academy team will be on that team. Um and you know, the big thing and I was talking to Tim about this before is like My biggest issue is that we just don't really play enough rugby here in the U.S. Um, And I think that this organization is doing its absolute best to really make sure that those opportunities are are, are at least available to players um, and and young players specifically. Um, Whereas, you know, before when I was growing up, it was like we were driving two hours into Virginia to try to get a, a tackle game. You know, and that was only in the summer times because it was football and and it was lacrosse and it was whatever it was during that time. But now there's youth rugby going on all the time and we're really playing a big part of that. And and building towards 2031, like that's really all we need to focus on is getting more rugby availability to kids and um, creating, you know, a product that's that's exciting and wants and makes parents want to keep bringing their kids to it. Right. Because it's a lot of commitment from parents. Um, And if it's unorganized, if it's disheveled or it looks bad, they're going to go to football. They're going to go to whatever other sport, you know, provides a a better environment for their kids. So um, we're really there just trying to just trying to build the product more than anything.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's uh, sorry, Rob. go Go ahead. I, th- I think that's well said. I think you you have a point here. You know, one of the things I think you you have is you're going to have a large competition from other sports, and that's something that rugby is always going to have, right? But as we're yeah. breaking into, um, you know, youth as a organization uh, like you guys are, and showing that there's the the pathway, right? So like, you look at football; you have youth football, which rolls into middle school football, which rolls into high school football, which eventually will roll into college for kids who would you know have the ability and things like that, and you know that 0.01% that go to the NFL but it's it's clear it's out there everybody knows that's the pathway um and I think that my next question is is for going to be for Armenta you know what what kind of strategies do you have obviously don't give me the secrets you know I don't want the like the, the code book there but you know coming to to say this em. is a new <laughs> you yeah, Well, Rob has his own gold diggers podcast going there's the 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 shot for him so he really needs help in that direction not many views you know <laughs> it um but I think so you you have two things on you right you have one you want to do your job into breaking this into good content and two you have a concept that's kind of at the the tip of the iceberg as far as you've 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 proved the concept internally but you want to show nationally that you've proved this concept so like how do you work on your end to get that out there
2: So I work on my end to get that out there honestly by just you know, taking um footage of the kids having a good time because number one, that's what kids want to do. They want to have a good time. Even your U18 um academy that's you know, you know, you're super serious, you're learning plays, you know, you are you're doing different things, you're playing, you know, games of touch, um, but they're serious you know trying to get the formations and the calls down and everything else um but at the end of the day um i think what comes to mind is you know you literally have kids it's cold it's raining and what do they do they literally all they want to do is like slip and slide into the mud after practice like that's great because they're just you know having a great time Um, and kind of capturing that because that makes other kids hey I want to be a part of that, Um, things like that. So another thing is um, Coach Gibbons, he had, it's rugby baseball, which is kind of more like rugby um, dodgeball, Um, but that was a hands-down favorite of all of the academy kids, and there was some serious competition going on there. Um, And again, it's they had such a blast, and, you know, even after a hard – very intense, um, practice, you, you walk away and you're like, wow, that was good. And, you know, then you see it up on social media and you can share it with all of your friends. Um, and that's kind of, that's all I'm really doing is we're making sure that our product is good. And, you know, you put that forth and people want to be a part of it. And part of that is again, having Ben and having the foundation, um, and making sure that those, you know, things are in place, um, in order to just put out good content and it makes my job really easy. Um, honestly,
1: you know, it's, it's interesting. There's something that you hit upon there, Arminta, that I want to kind of pull out and then I'll, I'll turn a question over here. So bear with me, folks. Um, I, I just interviewed Gabby Contorna, of course, Penn State, fellow Penn State grad Arminta. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in our conversation, it, you know, it emerged, I, I've always said, you know, it's you should have fun with sports, and she goes, nah, yeah. yeah, I just like to change that just a little bit. Enjoy it, right? And you yeah. can be competitive, um, but you can still enjoy your experience, right? And I, and I yeah. think that that says a lot about the story that you guys are trying to tell within Young Glory, which is beautiful to see. Um, and I want to kind of transition then to, to Tim a little bit. Because one of the things that I think it's important for those people who are watching this is to who may be new to the MLR or perhaps don't aren't as engaged in the MLR as, as sometimes Scott and I are. But um, what distinguishes Old Glory or sorry, you, yeah, Old Glory and by de facto Young Glory because it's it's a sister organization, sure. if you will, um, from other MLR academies? The, most are doing academies. Right. What makes young glory unique and, and different and, and distinguishes it.
3: I'll start off with the most obvious. Um, we're one of only two with a women's team and we're, we're doing our best with that. We could do better. Um, we've got a sick, our <laughs> Minta and I have developed a six step plan to increase girls involvement and women's involvement. We're putting together a women's board. So I would say that makes it different. Um, we, we also are, and I, I'm sure all of them are, like um, when Paul Emmerich was at Houston, I used to almost talk to him every day. Um, I talked to Neitz in Atlanta. I talked to Thomas in New England. I'd like to believe we're, we're doing best practice. Um, I think initially you're looking at three, we have three people full time. Um, we run entirely independent of the first team. In a way, we actually produce coaching opportunities and coaching jobs. So we we're actually giving back to the first team, um, and, and then I would also just say um, the the sheer diversity of our of our group. I'm sure other people are super diverse, but it would be hard to match the level of diversity and inclusion that we have across the board. Um, part of that's intentional, like we we go for that, but part of that is just the the great coaches we have and the great programs that are contributing to what we're doing. And, um, I, I'd say finally just the support of the, the owners, um, in that they put youth at first in the minds of the players. Like you guys need to be out there supporting these guys. Um, it's, it's a, it's a goal that I hear echoed in every meeting and every interaction with the owners. Um, I hear it from Scottish rugby. I, you know, Chris and Paul are, are out there. They put themselves out there and support us.
1: And, and I just want to follow up. I know that, uh, that, that Scott's preparing a question, but I I think that's interesting because it's one of the elements that really has been engaging for me is that players throughout the MLR are, are accessible. But my question is more to the fact that, do you find Tim, that, that old glory, that the, those connections that, the players are making with youth and with the community. Are those paying dividends for old glory as a team then, you know, in the sense of putting butts in seats and, you know, merch and those kinds of
3: things. It it is. And we, we, it's the, the guys that are getting out there have been so successful at doing it. I think it's caused us to formalize it and (laughs) make it like, like everyone's different. Like some of the players are shy. Some of them don't like speaking in front of groups. And we actually have a formal process now where we will be embedded with 15 different teams this coming spring on a weekly basis. And while the, the function is not to be a sales rep, you are being a sales rep by being a yeah. nice guy. I mean, <laughs> Api Nakatini is an intimidating looking individual, but he's the most soft spoken, best coach. He gets down on a kid's level. Threatened Palamo is fantastic with kids. Um, I I can go right through the whole group. Sometimes it's nice for me to sit back and thinking I'm going to have to introduce someone and I don't even have to, they pop out of the van, (laughs) they get engaged. And let's be honest, they're in sales mode, man. Like, like people want to support people they like. So I think, yeah, that's, that's, part of what we're doing, but it's also now become formalized where our entire organization will be out there every Tuesday night embedded with a team. That's awesome. To be honest, like, I don't even know what that's going to look like because we're going to be rolling so strong on the community. (laughs) It's got to pay dividends, So
0: Definitely. I think it will be, and I think you'll see it sooner rather than later after you roll it out. Um, You know, I wanted to comment, you know, I think one of the things that your organization has... Is the timing and the resources because if you look at some of the other MLR teams, you know, Atlanta is a, a tough landscape to build a youth program in just because, like we talked about before, competitiveness with other sports, right? New York is the same thing. I mean, New York in the spring, try and find a field that's not occupied with, you sure. know, baseball, lacrosse, soccer, you know, a million other things. They're playing, you know, handball down in the city, they're playing stickball in the streets like I used to play in, you know. so it's you guys have, have, have hit this spot where you have almost like the uh a wild west of openness in your area to get all this stuff done. And it's great to see. But my next question was actually for Ben. We were talking about, you know, the the real youth element. And you know, this really this question really isn't for your U23 guys or your U19 guys. They're on a competitive level, they're on a pathway to, you know, play in college or supplement their collegiate play. Um, so really on the on the lower level, the, low, the, the the younger kids, Ben, if you could give advice to a kid who's coming in and just starting out rugby, say 12 years old, and he's transitioning from football or lacrosse or something like that, you know, what's a, a good piece of advice you can give him as he starts his journey?
4: Uh, it kind of goes back to um, what I was saying before, is it's like take every opportunity you can to play rugby. You know, I think rugby has been – kind of the 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 main you know I guess like flagpole in my life where it's like that that's always kind of what I what I look at and what kind of keeps you know keeps me centered but it's something that's taken me all around the world you know what I mean and that's incredibly unique to American kids um you know you get lacrosse football baseball like it's only played here like you can't travel you know I was I traveled to 15 countries before I graduated out of high school just playing rugby you know it's like where else can what other sport can provide you that so and it's really about being committed to it um just like any other sport right so if you're committed to rugby it can take you some unbelievable places domestically and internationally and I think that's really what's unique about it and what I think interests a lot of young kids especially
1: that's awesome, and I think that's one of the things. Obviously, rugby, more than probably any other sport in America, has that ability for people to extend beyond their borders, right, and, and, and play even beyond, you know, college or high school, um, the fact that there's men's and women's rugby being played all over the United States. I want to flip it back to Armenta. Um, you know, being being a social media guy, Scott, or guys, Scott and I are always looking on social media, but one of the things that, that I've picked up from our mate, Ty, was he he talks about the importance of um, of engagement you know engagement, but not just engagement. how do you give a call to action? So for somebody who might be watching this, right, and wants to be better at social media and help promote their rugby club um, you know within their own area, you know whether it be youth or whatever have you, how do you use a call to action to bring potential customers into Young Glory's sphere of influence.
2: So I think that I have found that because a lot of people don't know that rugby is in their community, I think that the best way is to kind of embed yourself in the community and let people know that you are there. And then once you're there and you know interacting with other um organizations um in your community then you know you can say hey come on out we have this going on here are there all the details and things like that um that's pretty much what i have found it's just like embedding yourself in the rugby community um and, and just finding um and a lot of people are just like wow i didn't even know rugby was here like i had no idea and they you know are very responsive to it once they find out about it that it's not you know this barbarian like sport that everyone (laughs) thinks it is um and once you kind of explain you know what it is and there's a whole culture behind it etc they're really open to it and i think that is the best way to kind of you know just Get people to answer your call to action to come to clinics, to come to other, you know, things, etc. I, I really believe that it's social media for a reason, so you need to be social. And if you're social in your community, um, then you know people are going to start seeing your stuff and going, "Hey, maybe I should, maybe I should go." You know, show up to that. We had a clinic down in Culpeper um, this past weekend. Um, one of two and we had I believe it was about five kids who had never played rugby at all Um, and there were even a couple where he's like I've never seen these kids like before ever and so we're reaching beyond you know through the Culpeper Parks and Recreation um, things like that we are you know we're going beyond just the rugby community and reaching out and getting new kids engaged um, which is what we like to see.
0: That's awesome. Um, you know, you talk about culture, you talk about engagement and this is one is for Tim, you know, we had spoken about previously, um, you know, you were talking about um, bringing people into rugby that may not necessarily understand it right. Or know it or understand the culture. And, you know, this includes people of color, uh, women, you know, we, we, we are an inclusive sport. So can you, can you talk more of young glories makeup and, and how they, they, bring minorities into the program, you know, part of, the, how, how do you guys get it done? Cause I think you were you're telling us you have a 40% uh, uh, minority rate as far as the inclusivity in the programs.
3: Yeah, we, and by the way, I think we can even do a better job of that. Um, both Paul Sheehy and I have been involved with uh, Washington Youth Rugby, uh, which is a standalone nonprofit that we work with, but they are separate from us. Um, you know, like even today when Armenta and I were planning, we're pushing players a little further out to cover teams in D.C. Um, uh, we, we have to go to where people are, and that's that's been a, a challenge. So just finding fields and partnering groups like um, Washington Irish, I, I, Washing Irish and Gonzaga High School, too. You know, Gonzaga High School has been around forever. They arguably have the best, Ben will tell me they are, the best high school program in America.
4: Not close. The second they
3: made the, yeah, <laughs> the second they made their fields available, and I'll give Peter Begetta their credit. We started having more African American kids showing up to our academy tryouts, and there's we we've got to work really hard to bring the sport to them, um, and to actively market to that community, and to make you know scholarships available, and to make it accessible. And the cool thing is. I, I think once we get one kid, they bring another, and then it, it starts to steamroll. Um, that's been super rewarding. Um, the, the other thing is, too, again, mixing up our marketing and delivering different messages across the medium. I'll tell you, the, the other thing I do is, too, I constantly poll football coaches about kids that aren't going to college or maybe aren't getting a scholarship or played rugby in the past, and that's been a great way to diversify our group. I've got um, multiple kids that actually forego football this fall to play rugby, which we don't necessarily want them to give up football, but it's great that they made that choice.
1: Um, 100%. I I think that's what a a lot of youth rugby programs struggle with, right, is is, is getting coaches, particularly at the high school level, because I'm a high school teacher, I'm a high school wrestling coach, and it's pretty difficult to get some of the football coaches out of the mindset that they, you know, they almost need they want to control them 100 percent of the year uh, and and allowing some of those kids to participate in other sports. might be really beneficial to help them <laughs> growing as a football. You know, player. you know,
3: who's the wizard at that is uh, and they've had a good high school program is Dale Roach. He coaches the um the freshman high school football team. Yeah. And he invites me out to go talk to the kids about rugby. I went out, I think he had 57 ninth graders playing high school football. And I'm telling you, obviously the helmets and the pads make them look bigger. I know, by the way, I know Ben played a season of high school football as a crossover to get guys out to play. But I went out and talked to these 57 kids. Man, I like the first thing I did, um, one of my good friends is Andy skiing at um, St. Michael's in Dublin. I just called him. I was like, look, I saw the future, man. It's crazy. I was, all these kids were like right here on me and they're in ninth grade and they're all like bodied up, like standing and I'm going, holy God, if I could get half these kids playing rugby, it, it I, you know, it, the other thing too is there's no one formula. I love when you start talking about growing rugby and, you know, you read these internet keyboard warriors and they're like, we should do this and we have to do this because France does this. There's no one answer. You and I were talking about this, Scott, the other day. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: What made rugby tick at my university will not work at Naval Academy and is not the same at Penn State or Mount St. Mary's. What's working for Fort Hunt with Dale Roach, you know, does not necessarily work at Gonzaga. And it's just being flexible. And Gonzaga has their formula. And now from an MLR standpoint, we're there to support it. Fort Hunt wants me to go out and talk to the ninth graders, I'll do it. Um, there's we really gotta be nimble because let's be honest, we're like number five on the food chain, maybe number six, you know. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, first of all, I think I think we're targeting the wrong types of players. I think Rob's gonna like like my comment on this, and then I got a question for Ben. And then later on I gotta call out or mint on something, but I think we have to be <laughs> um, we have to be going after the wrestlers, right? The wrestlers have their yes. their winter yes. program. What the hell are they doing in the spring? Nothing, you know. They're probably pl- trying to play baseball, and they're a little bit too bulky. Um, so let's get them on the rugby pitch. Let's get them playing sevens. They're already in shape. Um, so Ben, as you're getting players who are deciding that they want to focus in on rugby, um, what 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 type of hey, this is just like a question in general, like what, what type of things do these young players need to do? Um, you know, is it nutrition? Is it pregame? Is it postgame? Is it a combination of everything? Is it trying to, are you, are you, I guess my question is, are you trying to foster that pro style of rugby in the U 19 and U 23s that we now see in the MLR teams?
4: You know, to be honest, the the one thing that I would tell like young kids and, and high school kids and even college kids is just like, we watch so many sports like as Americans and we don't spend enough time watching rugby as kids. Um, And I think that's where a lot of the the difference comes. Like you can tell the kids that have been watching the autumn internationals or whatever it may be. You can tell the ones that aren't. And a lot of kids you'll see trying stuff that I see on TV and you know that they're watching it and, that makes such a big difference Um, in terms of the nutritional aspect and all that other stuff. Like I played with guys that have some of the most shocking nutrition you could ever imagine. You know what I mean? Like that, that comes and goes with certain players. Um, But you know, as kids, like how many hours of, of football did you watch on Sundays? Like before you, before you even were in high school, you know what I mean? It's, if we could get, you know, 10, 15 percent of that time dedicated to rugby, we'd be in such an astronomically better place than, um, you know, where we are right now. And it's, it's not like we're bad. It's just it's really just the IQ piece that we're missing. We can get as many athletes as we want playing rugby, but it's really just about the IQ that 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 matters. And, and <laughs> it's, to echo
3: Ben's point, by the way, and Ben and I talk about this all the time, it's just playing the game. It's like having the ball in you. It's, it's simply playing the game. Like I I remember the first MLR draft. I was looking at this guy. He was like highly touted and I called his college coach and I was like, look, he's a, he's a prop. How much rugby has he played? And he's like, well, he played every season for us. And I'm like, no, how much rugby has he played? He got introduced to the game his freshman year. Well, it turns out they play sevens all spring, which is fine. Like, I don't want to start the sevens guys, like throwing, throwing things at me. (laughs) But so this is a very technical position, probably harder than wrestling. I grew up, you know, getting beat up in upstate New York. Like they're like, Hey, go wrestle the big kid. Well, I did not know what I was doing and you get choked out pretty quickly. It's the same thing with a prop. So when I started talking to this coach, well, the guy tweaked his ACL. So he missed part of one season. That means across 48 months. He played a full season, eight games, and maybe they made the playoffs, maybe they didn't. So this guy had propped twenty-five times across forty-eight months. Now, what skill can we expect to be professional, world-class proficient? I don't care what sport it is, whether you're a field hockey goalie, a lacrosse—you you know, you name it. Like a midfield, like a center midfielder in, in football, soccer. How can you master that sport when you only do it twenty-five times in a competitive? setting where it's like breakneck speed we just got to play more rugby we got to get more 15s more more 15s tournaments more jamborees more cups i mean i I think
0: you could say well hold on real quick rob i want to use my boy caleb geiger as an example who's coming with he has the athletic ability but didn't never played rugby before right but in the two years he was with the raptors he played every weekend he had meaningful minutes And when he came to New York, you know, in talking with Dylan Fawcett, that was Dylan Fawcett's biggest surprise, was how well in the scrum he uh, he learned at the position. You know, throwing is throwing. You you got That takes a little bit more time. But he said on the hooker end of the scrum, he was very proficient, and that was surprising to Dylan, considering he had only started two years ago. But as you talk about, sometimes it's not when you start. It's how much experience have you gained through that.
3: Well, we we are going to have some rock stars here, by the way. Our Minta and I started them. And when did we start summer camp this year? It was like late June. We had training into July, July. July. So this isn't all contact. They're low contact minutes. But we've been playing 15s here solid through early July all the way through. When did when was the last Academy date? The New York November, game?
2: November twenty. Wait, October November. 29th?
3: Yeah, October yeah. 29th. Yeah, yeah. October
2: so, 29th. We played New York?
3: The, mm-hmm. Yep, the guys <laughs> played New York. And I'm telling you, like, each week you could see them getting better and better. But if you look at in the past, these high school kids, which some of them are from Gonzaga, Vienna, Loughton, they're coming all the way from Richmond, Loyola. Loyola. And Baltimore. They they got – think. I mean, they probably got 5,000 reps on the ball, however many tackles. That never happened before. All right. So all of a sudden, like it's amazing. I would sit back, and I'm so busy like inflating the balls and talking to parents. I looked up. I'm like, my God, the ball is going left to right so fast. I mean, I think
2: I'm going to interject. That was the payoff that we saw actually at that game in New York. If you watch, by the way, they're all up on our YouTube. So go check them out. Um, <laughs> you can check out the game from the first game to the last game. The proficiency just goes through the roof and the payoff was 100% there in New York and the coaches were standing off the side going, okay, yeah, we did it. And
3: and when (laughs) we announced camp, I had coaches going, yeah, you're probably going to interrupt like flip-flop sevens in New Jersey. I'm like, I don't, I'm not concerned with that. Like, like I love that you guys are doing that, but we're building teams. We're building 23 people teams and we want proficiency and we want, we want a hooker that's comfortable hooking no matter who he goes against, you know, mm-hmm. and the only
1: way that so, happens is with repetition. So it's, it's funny. I want to go back and then I'll come forward uh, with a question or a Minta and tie some of these things up. But um, Ben talked a lot about, you know, watching rugby, like many of our youth football players watch football throughout, you know, I remember when I was a kid watching, um, you know, uh, Tony Dorsett like every weekend, watching, watching, watching games. And Ben talked about that. And and this is a message for anybody that might be watching, coach, kid, developing player, whatnot. It's kind of funny because the same thing was echoed by a friend of mine. His name is John Chevalier. He's head of Rugby Illinois. And his son is Will Chevalier, who is now on the, the, the senior men's uh, sevens team. And it's one of the things he said about Will, even as Will was a fourth, fifth grader when I was watching him and doing a little bit of coaching with him is he would go home and watch rugby and then he would go out and play a lot of rugby and he took every opportunity to get the experiences rugby experiences and so why is he where he is now at 23 years old having been the mvp of the national you know men's sevens club tournament having played in the final against you know professionals at uh, with the jesters at rugby town. And now why is he in, you know, why did he go to Hong Kong recently to get capped with the senior men's team in the seventh circuit? It's because exactly what Ben talked about. And which leads me to my question, you know, and, and Armento, it's like we are mind melding there, you know, is it, is it, how important is it for you guys to, to get these kids matches streamed, or at least get parts of them built into your social media. So there's, so there's a little bit of recognition face it, we live in a society now where kids want to be recognized. They want to be seen. It's kind of what athletes do. Is is that part of a game plan that you, you know, uh, uh, that that's part of your DNA and what you do and why you do it?
2: Yes. So the short answer is yes. Um, the long answer is, We want, number one, we want high school students to be able to build a college portfolio from their playing and this allows them to do that. So they can go and we we put our games up on YouTube. You can go and watch them. Um, Anyone can go out and watch them. (laughs) Um, But they can, again, they have that footage there. So they can put together sort of a rugby resume for colleges For whatever they, you know, whatever they're looking to do with that footage. Um, That's up to them. Um, The other thing is that we want the coaches to be able to walk them through watching film. So going through, analyzing everything, hey, this maybe didn't go the way that it should have, and, you know, this is what we can work on in the future. It also, honestly, it allows younger coaches the ability to not only walk through film with someone who is proficient with watching film, um, but also the younger coaches are then able to kind of see where you know, where they should be focusing more of their coaching and things like that. And they're walking through that with someone who is experienced with doing that. So we then have, you know, twofold, we have now increased the coaching knowledge and we've increased the player knowledge. Um, and that makes a huge difference. And then we're also engaging parents because some of these kids, they're driving themselves to the games. Um, parents can't make it parents, you know, they're working on the weekends, they're X, Y, Z. Like we want the parents to be able to see their kids and that's important to us. Um, and again, it's it's just a, a nice kind of footage. Like, oh, did you see that 60 meter try? Oh, I missed that. Oh, here, let me let me show it to you. And like literally pull it up, show it to all your friends. Hey, I wanna be able to do that. Like. I, where, where do, how do I do Also, the,
3: kid, the kids see our Minta coming, and they start hamming it up now. Every <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so here's my opportunity.
0: I got. I'm going to call our Minta out, and I'm going to okay. hand it back to Tim to tell the fans how they could help Young Glory. So, since the pandemic, we've seen, I mean, countless uh, women come on um, uh, social media platforms to talk about rugby and get big, um, including here in the states, in the UK, in the southern hemisphere. Um, I'm calling out Armenta you got to be the next rugby pundit on these social media channels, you know, doing what you do, get your name out there because you are at the tip of the spear doing this youth rugby stuff. And a lot of these women, um, you know, are doing it more on the professional side of women, but you're kind of in a unique spot where you're getting these girls, you know, younger, way younger than we, than normally they would start playing rugby in college, you know, to get them on the right path to rugby. So I'm challenging you Armenta To get in front of that camera more often.
2: I don't get in front of the camera. They are 100%. It's about the players. It's it's 100% about the players, and we we shine um the focus on them i'm not alona mar so (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you
0: don't need to be but this is this is what i'm saying this there's there's an opportunity here for you to to become a little bit of a we will see
2: we'll see um uh, we'll we'll see but really like i really want to shine the focus on the players and so the girls who are playing in our academy like i want them to have you know facetime i know it's been um a lot of the boys recently um up on social media but that's about to change with some things that we'll announce coming next year so um but it's one of those things where i 100 want the players to be recognized for um, being in the academy playing rugby etc and then for them to have a voice and i just use kind of my creative skills to do that there you
0: go awesome so we're we're about to close it out here i just want to throw it back to tim tim tell the viewers where they can help your organization and help these, these young kids play some rugby. How can we help?
3: Well, and, and it's also about growing coaches kind of like, you know, we, we want to grow coaches that work with Ben and can have more kids and, and coach more coaches. So um, our Minta is going to provide you with uh, links that you can put. Um, we have a landing page that details our 501 <laughs> C3 <laughs> below we are a nonprofit. We depend on the rugby community to keep doing these programs. Um, we are going to produce big things, though, and um, we're, we're, we're doers. We're not talkers. We're doers, um, despite talking a lot on this show. You're looking at our Minta, who is, like, really skilled enough to do any type of marketing or creative job that is essentially dedicating herself to growing rugby seven days a week. Ben Sima is going to be a national team coach one day. I can see it. Um, We all need their support and we all want them on our team. So thank you, Scott. And thank you, Rob, for putting out the link. Um, We're going to count on Ty for a big donation. (laughs) You know, he he skips the show, so he has to donate. But um, we we really do need support.
1: If if you ever have some kind of auction like auctioning off, you know, national team jerseys or or you know old glory signed team gear or whatever have you, ties the man. He is a by trade and auctioneer. Um, I will volunteer his service. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's ten,
3: there's, there's 10 old glory jersey. <laughs> That's perfect. So we'll put that. I mean, really we we will we we will expand, we're going to quadruple in size the coming year. So we're going to eliminate heavy travel for the kids. We're going to get them in fall 15s, both men and women, I should say boys and girls. And we're going to have Ben out there every day. So we we just got to keep growing.
1: Well, you guys are certainly providing um, a a beacon for the rest of the MLR to follow in terms of rugby development, both uh, on the men's and the women's side you know, being here in Chicago, we've just announced the new MLR team, the Chicago hounds. Uh, and I know some of the guys involved, by the way. Yeah. Uh Yeah. There's, it's got a lot of positive reviews. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And there's some symbolism that's, that's unique to Chicago and hopefully people are are, uh, pick up on that, but I know some of the guys involved and one of the things that, um, You know, the the ownership is really interested in doing is really getting rugby into um, those those uh, economically challenged parts of the city to try to diversify rugby um, in Chicago. Uh, And and I can't wait to to point them in the direction of Young Glory as you know, a model uh, from which to build a youth youth program and development pathway
3: like we said, um, you know, Ben, Armenta and I can be bought off for a nice hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> We're throwing it out there. Well, I got Stephen I,
0: Lewis. Steve Stephen Lewis gotta get you some Rooney gear and you can yeah, tell them all the trade. They, they
3: tried they tried that with me long ago. You know, that's too close to home. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, so
0: man. that's awesome. But um, this was a great I love this interview. I like Thank you for guys coming forward and just giving us what's going on in your organization. Again, these guys are kind of the tip of the iceberg on um, the future of what me and Rob feel is going to be youth rugby and the model and uh, showing the sustainability um, if you can get the right people in where they're supposed to go. Um, So again, check out the link below to help young glory um, find more coaches and uh, give access to more players uh, to play the wonderful game of rugby i'm tim and ben thank you guys so much for being on the show we really appreciate you guys giving our giving your time um to us uh we know it's precious that you guys are working like seven days a week um but the the success is there the the you guys are doing it you're on the rise you're hitting your metrics we really appreciate it and uh on behalf of the me the big guy rob the hammer and our buddy ty who couldn't be here with us today uh rugby rant fans this was an awesome this is an awesome interview um Enjoy, always enjoy doing this with you guys, and we'll see you at the next one.
3: Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys.